I'm Kim Grinnells with Dogman.com with Scott Eklund. Sunday night, Monday morning, we are having a recruiting podcast. Scott Eklund down in Oakland taking a look at the opening. A lot of Washington recruits. One of the commitments from Washington being named MVP of the camp. Coaches out on the road. Lots of events coming up. Recruiting. Month of May. Valuation period. Lots going on out there, Scott. It's kind of this time of year we kind of get kind of braced because this is when all the all the hard work is being done. The coaches are out on the road gathering all the information, uh, offers being made, but uh, also a little bit of calm before the storm, before it, the commitments happen. Yeah, this is a time when the coaches get out there and, and are really digging for kids, digging for the guys maybe they that have been flying under the radar that they haven't done a lot of research on. They're doing a little more research on them. They're seeing them in person. They're getting out in front of some of these kids. They can't actually sit down and talk with them very long. They can maybe say hi to them or just introduce themselves. But to, for the most part, they can't really sit down and talk to the kids like they do in the fall when they can sit down, have, have sit-downs with the coaches and the players and, and the families and things like that in the fall. During the spring, they only get two real evaluations. They get a physical evaluation, so an athletic evaluation where they watch them do a workout, and they can also uh, do an academic evaluation, so they can show up at the school twice. And if they combine that uh, into one visit, then they can actually do another athletic uh, evaluation. So that's what most schools do is do end up doing two athletic evaluations and combining that academic evaluation into one. So basically, you know, Washington has been out on the road. The coaches were all over the, the West Coast and, and in the mountain region. And actually several were down in, in uh, the Texas area. Pete right. Kwiatkowski, uh, Will Harris, those guys were in the Texas area. So lots of stuff going on. These coaches flying everywhere, uh, racking up those uh, frequent flyer miles. Yeah, and this is where, like I said, a lot of the work really gets done. This is when they talk to the counselors, talk to the coaches. They identify players for next year. They've pretty much looked at film and all the guys that they're interested. Now they're doing the background work. Washington doesn't just offer on film alone. They they have to fit, you know, the system for Pete. You know, the OKG profile. They have to be good students. They have to have that passion for football. So this is where a lot of the background work gets done, other than just looking at the film, Scott. Yeah, and and you know people, you know, and I, I'm going to do a bl- another blog on this. I did one last year to kind of explain the process and how things are done. And the coaches start off with somewhere between 2,500 and 5,000 recruits at their disposal. They pay um, for recruiting services, and when I mean this, I mean they they can shell out upwards of. Now I don't know what Washington pays. I don't know if we've seen the the data on this yet, but I know that Alabama, Tennessee. Uh, Texas, USC, UCLA, those kind of schools pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to these recruiting services to get names, to get background, to get uh, uh, academic stuff on them and all that different stuff. And that's where they compile their list of about 2,500 to 5,000 kids, somewhere in that range. And then they start to whittle it down and uh, this kid is not going to fit what we're looking for and this kid uh, does not maybe have the athleticism we're looking for. This kid doesn't have the grades that would succeed at our school. So they eliminate, they start to pare it down and they start to just whittle it down. And it's it's that what they call the upside down pyramid where you just have a ton of recruits at the top and then you slowly whittle it down until it comes down to a point where you have your, your 50 to 
60 guys that you're really focused on concentrating on and and trying to get into your program and get them to commit and things like that and then over the course of this time of the year this is when they're finding out more about them off the field finding about their families they're finding out about their wants their desires their their goals who they are as kids not and 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 people not just as football players but who they are as people and that's really important to the university of washington's and maybe some other schools and then some other schools I'm sure they care about that side of it, but maybe they care. They weight it more toward the football side and are willing to overlook some of the the negative things that are going on. So, um, you know, it's it's all a process. Each school has their own things that they focus on and things like that. Washington's is definitely on the academic, the personal side, and also on the football side. You cannot get an offer from the University of Washington unless they think you're an elite football player. And that's what people need to realize when they're offering these kids, especially this time of year, they're not offering kids just because they've missed out on some other guys. These are guys that they think could come in and play because they could wait longer and, and do more evaluations if they really, really didn't think these guys were special players, but they're special players. And the guys who are getting the offers right now are the ones who they think uh, could come in and play for them, if not right away, then in the first couple of years. Well, not only that, they're offering kids that they know they have a shot at. They're not spending a lot of time on kids who just have absolutely no interest, kids who absolutely don't have an interest in school. And that's part of the vetting process. A lot of kids, all they want to do is football. I mean, yeah, if, yeah. If, if football is all you want to do, you're probably going to be crossed off of Washington's list. I was talking to a, a good friend of mine who was talking about uh, Seahawks draft. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Seahawks kind of do the same thing where they started off with 1,200 potential draftees and they whittled it down to 150 kids, 150 um, guys on their board. And that was it. And what was interesting is one of the cornerbacks who had really been, you know, looked at as a first round draft pick, maybe the top uh, pick in the draft. Hawks had a fifth round grade on him because he didn't fit with what they did. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of good football players out there, Scott, that are going to be very, very good football players. that just don't fit what Washington does. Or, or and vice versa. You know, some other schools, they might not fit what those schools want and Washington wants in them. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. This isn't just a thing that Washington decides to do. It's, it's what Washington has figured out. The coaching staff has figured out this is what we're successful with. This is what we believe we need for our program. And those are the guys who are going to go after. Like it or not, guys, you guys are just going to have to get used to the fact that Washington is going to eliminate some kids who are good football players, but maybe not a good fit for the program. Doesn't mean they're not good kids. Just means they might not be a good fit for the program. And if that's the case, Washington is not going to pursue them. And then in addition, Oregon, you know, with Mario Cristobal coming from Alabama and the SEC, he's bringing that SEC uh, mentality uh, to Oregon. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. It's just different. Uh, Chuck Heater, who is, you know, I consider a friend. When he was down at Florida, he said, when a kid committed to you down in the SEC, that just means he was interested. And in order to even get the kid to talk to you, you had to make an offer. That's why Oregon has 280-some offers out there, and Washington has less than 60, I believe. I think the last time I looked, they were at number 58. It's just a different way of doing things, and Pete does it his way. Cristobal does it another way. I'm not saying one's one's better than the other, but I bet if coaches had their preference, if they could do things and actually implement it the way Chris Peterson does, they'd much rather do it like Pete does. Pete just is able to do it. Yeah, well, what what I what I'd say is this: the way you know whether one one is better and more successful than the other is five years after that class signs. How many guys made it through and were heavy contributors to your team, and how got how many how many guys were cut? 
you know, and how, how successful were you on the team, on the field? How successful were you in possibly uh, winning a conference title or going to a New Year's Six Bowl game or making it to the playoff or winning a national championship? Whoever is better, that's when you know what process is better. And part of it is also the evaluations of the coaches, what the coaches want to do, what, what the coaches see in each one. Maybe one coach sees a kid with, you know, maybe maybe some coaches didn't think that Jackson Kirkland, we, we've talked about him a little on the board, Jackson Kirkland couldn't be successful at the next level. That's why a lot of schools passed on him. And UCLA got him to commit, and then Washington swooped in and got him at the last minute. But, I mean, honestly, I, I just, I think what people need to realize is that just because a kid is successful at another school does not mean he would have been successful successful at Washington. And a kid who's successful at Washington might not be successful somewhere else. It is all about fit, Kim. You say it all the time. And I know people get sick of it. And honestly, if if I can understand why people might get sick of it, but it's the absolute truth. If a kid does not fit what Washington is trying to do, they're not going to be successful here and vice versa. Well, the other thing is, too, there are schools out there who will take a commitment from kids who still want to take other visits. They commit to the school, but they're taking other visits. That doesn't fly with Pete. No, not at all. just doesn't fly with Coach Pete. And if you say you want to take other visits, you're not committed. And he's pretty pretty adamant about that. Um, Well, that's why there's a couple guys who aren't committed to the University of Washington yet who I think would have been by now. But they still wanted to take some visits, and Pete told them, go ahead, take your visits, and then come talk to us after you're done, and we'll see where things stand. Well, it's just like, you know, I was, I was in sales for a long time, and, you know, recruiting is all about sales, right? Yes. And a lot of salespeople out there are just looking for somebody to say yes. They're trying to manipulate them to say yes, or coaches are trying to get them manipulated to make a commitment, right? But, I mean, when I had people that wanted to do business with me, I would say, are you sure? Because I didn't want to get the phone call the next day because they're having second thoughts. And if there was any hesitation there, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because I wanted to make sure I had the commitment from them, not just a yes answer. Coach Pete is looking for that rock-solid commitment. He's not looking for a kid who's going to commit and then next week want to take visits. If a kid is unsure, he's going to tell him to take other visits. He's going to tell him to shop around. Now, that may make some fans crazy, but again... He's been pretty successful with working this way. He has, and it's what works for him. You know, it, it's how he wants to run the program and what he wants to do. The funny thing is, the people that I see, and it's not all of them, but there's a lot of people that I see that um, when you and I maybe thought that Chris Peterson had some adjustments to make and and um, we didn't know if he'd be able to ever have find even remotely the close to the success that he experienced at uh, Boise State once he got to the University of Washington the the people said we were anti-Pete and, and all this different stuff and that wasn't what it was we were just kind of questioning what you know if he would be uh, as rigid as he was or if he would you know mold himself to what he needed to do to get kids in at the University of Washington well it's the same people who said that we uh, we didn't. We only wanted Sark around because of the, you know, success, the the recruiting buzz and all that different stuff. These are the same people who are accusing Chris Peterson of a lot of different things that he doesn't recruit kids from the inner city or he doesn't do this or he doesn't do that. And they're, you know, you, you see these these people with 
you know, saying that they're, they're just worried about Pete and his stuff. They're the same people who couldn't believe that we had questions about stuff. Oh. So, I mean, it, it, it's just, it's so funny to watch, watch people twist themselves in pretzels. Let him go through this process. His, what does Pete make now? It's over 4 million, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Is it close? It's close to five now, right? I think it's, it's four, six or four, eight somewhere. Yeah. There. Whatever it is. His salary is based on getting the best players he can get into this program and be successful. Do you really think that he would risk that because he didn't like recruiting bad kids? Or he what he believes is those bad kids could cost him his job and cost him success here at the University of Washington. That's why I, I okay, I shouldn't say bad kids. The kids who don't fit. Because not all those kids are bad. Yeah. But but you know, I, I just, it's so funny to watch. I wish I could go back and pull up some of those old posts of people who said we were nega Pete's and all these different st- things about Pete coming here. And they're the same people who are the ones who have worries now well, at I, on our board. I give, I give Coach Pete a lot of credit because when he first got here, um, I think he had a huge adjustment to make when it came to recruiting. Absolutely he, did. He was not, I mean, the competition was just so much better. I, you're going against Ohio State, USC, Stanford, Notre Dame. He never recruited about with those types of schools, and those you know the types of schools that he was recruiting against and beating, they didn't have the resources that Alabama, Notre Dame. They were doing things that he'd never had to deal with, and it did take him a little bit of time. And he did make the adjustment, and I think he's recruiting just fine. But recruiting evolves, and there's a lot of things that need to you know, change all the time and adjustments that need to be made. I'll give Coach Pete a lot of credit. He's not a stick in the mud. He's evolved. He's changed. You take a look at the size of the people on, I don't know how many people they have in the recruiting offices. It's a lot more than it was when Sark was here. And it's a hell of a lot more than when Tyrone was here. And it's been something that's evolved. And I sometimes coaches don't like change. Pete's been more than open to change. And I think he's done really, really well in making the changes necessary to compete against guys with the resources because i'm telling you what what schools like notre dame alabama lsu oklahoma texas usc and oregon they have a lot more uh, resources than schools like cal and utah and boise state they just do that's just the reality of it and so i give pete a lot of credit for making those adjustments scott yep yeah Yeah. Uh, scott you were down in oakland this weekend Mm-hmm. Um, it was the. Um, it was. Is it still sponsored by Nike? It is. It's It's still the Nike, or they're calling it the opening. But Nike does a lot of the things that, oh. that around it. Lots of guys down there. Lots of guys that uh, Washington was looking at, and one of them, the quarterback commit, Ethan Garbers, actually uh, won the MVP for the quarterbacks. Tell people what you saw in Ethan Garbers. Yeah. Now, see, I because I had a flight to catch, I didn't actually get to see him do the seven on seven or the. I guess they did half skelly. They didn't do full skelly, but. Um, I did watch him throw a lot of a lot of different routes. The entire route tree that they were working with George Whitfield. If people aren't aware of him, he's a one of the quarterback gurus uh, that are out there. He's been on ESPN quite a bit. Uh, does a lot of things uh, with high school and college recruits, and and uh, I'm sorry, high school recruits and college uh, players, and even does some stuff work with some NFL players. And uh, he was out there working with guys and. You know, Ethan Garbers, I don't want to say tore it up because I didn't think that a guy like DJ Ungalale uh, from 
St. John Bosco. He's a he's a guy who is the number one quarterback in the country. Just committed to Clemson. He didn't look particularly good. And uh, Butterfield, the kid from Jay, uh, Jay Butterfield, the kid who just committed to uh, Oregon, also eh, he looked okay. But Garbers was on it. He, his accuracy was great. He was coachable. He he did different things. The coaches asked him to maybe arch his back a little bit more, or or to to throw the ball with a little more lift to get to get it into the back of the corner of the end zone and things like that. Just looked really sharp through through a nice catchable ball. And uh, his brother um, uh, Chase Garbers was actually on the sidelines, and I talked to him a little bit. He and I got to know each other during his recruitment. He almost got offered by Washington, and we just talked about it. And he said, "Yeah, my brother's totally stoked to go up there." and uh, get things started up there. He can't wait to get up there and, and uh, get things started. So it sounds like uh, there's a good chance that Ethan Garbers um, will be a guy that, well, he's already moved up to a four-star, and, and it sounds like Greg uh, Biggins and those guys want to move him up a little bit further into their into their rankings than they had him before. Anybody he reminds you of when you're taking a look at him in person, Scott? Uh, well, a couple people, and this is going to be kind of kiss of death for the kid probably, but a couple people have equated him to Jake Browning at this same time in their development. You know, they both understand the offense. Uh, Jake Browning might have a little bit more command of his offense than than uh, Garbers had of, of his, but that you know that's just because Jake Browning had been doing it for so long. You know, uh, Ethan Garbers is, is a guy who, um, you know, I, I could see him as a um, kind of a, uh, you know, m- maybe like a Cody Pickett. Not may- He might not throw for as many yards as Cody Pickett or anything like that. And he doesn't really have that that run, that tough linebacker mentality of Cody Pickett. But he, he's got kind of that same throwing motion. He's about the same size. You know, they kind of do the same kind of things and run around and do it. And, and uh, that I guess that would be my best comparison is Cody Pickett. Offensive lineman, anybody jump out at you? Well, Miles Murau is a guy that Washington's been on, and, and he's a kid uh, out of modern day. He's the number one offensive lineman on the West Coast. Uh, could play any of the guard or center positions. Um, the coaches love him, and everybody who comes in contact with him loves him. He just loves to get out and compete and be on the field with his with his boys and, and hanging out. And he had a lot of fun. Still kind of comes up with a little bit of an attitude against the defensive line guys, but always is palling around with everybody afterwards. And he gets he he flips that switch. He's that guy. And he'd only been cleared to play. He broke uh, his uh, I think it was his tibia in his leg. And he'd only been cleared to play for about a month. So a lot of people were shocked when he put on a helmet and walked out. They had the, you know, those helmets that you do for, um, for seven on seven. They had those for the linemen too. And uh, put on one of those and strapped it up and started going at it. And he went at it as a left tackle. So he was going up against ends instead of D tackles. And uh, he held his own. You know, he, he can't move laterally, laterally very well. Yet he said he's probably only about 60, 70% of his lateral movement. But he said he just wanted to get out and work. And that's why he came up and did it. Wide receivers, anybody jump out? Oh, one, one other guy that kind of – there are two other guys, actually local guys that I thought stood out a little bit um, on the offensive line as well. Caden Steven from Camus, a big uh, left tackle for Camus down there that Washington has just started to recruit a little bit more. He uh, actually had a pretty good day. I won't, won't say he was one of the best guys, but he was he was up there. He's in that top uh, upper tier of guys. And then um, uh, Jernias, uh, Jernias Tafia, the – 
senior offensive lineman front well both ways he's a two-way lineman for Eastside Catholic he actually didn't lose a rep uh on the day and everybody was congratulating him the coaches uh that were there um that you know the Nike coaches that were working with him and everything and doing all that different stuff they were all over him telling how well he did and, and everything like that talked to him afterwards he said Washington's been talking to him a little bit he's been at I mean Kim you've been down on the sidelines he's at every game this is a guy who's yeah. at every Husky game. He wants to be a Husky. So um, I don't think he's a guy who's going to get an offer from the Huskies, but it wouldn't surprise me if they work him really hard to become a walk-on because he's a real talented kid, and I think he's someone who could earn a scholarship at the University of Washington here. Uh, you know, after after a freshman, sophomore year, maybe maybe earn a scholarship those last couple years. Uh, Jalen McMillan uh, drew up his final four list. He's a wide receiver. He was there. Sounds like he had a pretty good camp as well. Yeah, yeah, he did. I mean, he didn't blow me away with his testing or anything. He didn't finish in the top 40 for his testing, but I thought he he had a really good day uh, catching the ball. You know, there, there's some guys who are just straight-up football players. They're going to test okay, but they're going to look much better on the football field, and that's exactly what he did. He's a guy, he can just run routes really well. He's long, he's athletic, he can go up and get the ball. Coaches love him because of how explosive he is. I, I, he's, I can see why he is widely regarded as the top wideout on the West Coast. I know Johnny Wilson has a little bit higher grade, but most people think he's going to grow into a uh, wide receiver, or I'm sorry, into a tight end position. So um, that'll be real interesting to see the battle between those guys for that top spot. But another guy that I really liked a lot, and I know Washington's recruiting him, he just committed uh, yesterday to Cal because Cal kind of tag, tagged on a junior day or a visit day, a big visit day for a bunch of recruits to show up over there. And that is a kid by the name of Jeremiah Hunter. He's out of Central East High School down in uh, Fresno. Washington has just started to really heat up with him, and he just committed to Cal. But I don't know if that's going to stick. I, I think Washington's got a decent chance of of uh, flipping that commitment if they decide to go out and offer him. He's a he's another real, real lanky kid, and the coaches um, and the scouts that were all on the sidelines loved the work that he did. Uh, G. Scott uh, Jr. had a huge day. I mean, he was probably the best wideout on the field out there. I know that's going to make some people a little angry cause, because of his local ties and the fact that he wasn't offered by the University of Washington. But, man, he just he's big. He's athletic. He, he likes to just get out there. He always looks like he's having fun. I put that in my report that he always looks like he's having fun, and, and he had a really good day. And then L.V. Bunkley, that's another kid with an offer from the University of Washington. Uh, Logan Loya is another one, too. Logan Loya was probably the best wideout on the day, honestly, besides G. Scott, and that's just because G. Scott's about a uh, foot taller and <laughs> seemingly foot taller and and uh, about 20 pounds heavier. But uh, Logan Loya is another guy who, who can put guys on spin cycle and – and uh, really likes to uh, run precise routes and catch the ball. There was a really good group of wide receivers today, uh, yesterday. Sam Adams from Eastside Catholic, uh, running back. A lot of people think he's better on defense, but uh, he was down there participating also. What did you see for Sam? Was he strictly yeah. working with the offense yesterday? Yeah, he only did offensive stuff. He did running back stuff, and um, I don't. That's not a showcase that's going to really showcase his best talents. His best talents are, are running behind his pads and and being a physical running back and hitting the hole hard and, and exploding through and getting down the field to the second and third level. And this is going to be one that just a camp like this is not going to be one where you're going to see a lot of 
uh, him, you know, standing out because he's not going to be a guy who's going to make a lot of people miss. That really isn't his game. He's not the most elusive guy. He's a little stiffer than some of these little guys who can jitterbug, you know, kind of like uh, Chico McClatcher and things like that. So, um, but you watch him out there. He he just gets out and runs around. You can see just his athleticism and things like that. So uh, I thought he looked okay. He he didn't have a great day, but he didn't have a bad day. Over on the defensive side of the ball, probably the guy that was intriguing for me to get a report from is the uh, defensive back safety. Uh, Trey is it Pastor Pastor pa- Pastor Yeah, Trey oh. Pastor and a lot um, of offers and most are offering him as a safety. Washington wants him as a defensive bat. They want him as a corner. Yeah, I think, you know, I could see them liking him as a corner to start out. But And a lot of people said this about Keith Taylor, that he'd start out at corner, but he'd eventually grow into a safety. Well, guess what? He's going into his junior year, and he's still going to be playing corner. And uh, Trey Pastor's kind of the same size that Keith Taylor was, maybe even a little bit thicker than Keith Taylor was coming out of high school. And uh, ran into his dad on the sidelines, talked to him for a few minutes. Brandon Huffman introduced me, and... And uh, he, he said he's really excited about Washington. Sounds like they're going to come up for a visit here pretty soon. I think they're going to probably target the 22nd of June, and we'll get to that date and why it's so significant here in a few minutes. But um, I think he and his dad and, and possibly his mom are going to come up and, and uh, be part of something that could be pretty special there at the end of June. Anybody else on the defensive side of the ball? Washington's recruiting jump you know, out to you, Scott? Um, not not a lot of guys. I mean, there was a guy by the name of Jordan Botello, who a lot of people will know. He's a linebacker from uh, uh, St. Louis High School out there in um, Honolulu. And Washington thought they had a really good shot at him. He's already committed to Notre Dame. And Washington, from to my knowledge, has already uh, basically said, "Have fun at Notre Dame. We're we're done recruiting you." I you know I I I would. Hesitate if the door opens at all. I think Washington would probably put their foot in it again, but um, at this point, there's no door open and they're just kind of letting that one be. Um, you know, Keely Ringo was supposed to show up, he did not show up uh, to the event. Savelle Smalls was supposed to show up, he did not show up for the event. So, those are two of the top guys that we thought we were going to see on Saturday that we didn't get to see. So that was a little disappointing. There were some other really good players and things like that. I like a guy by the name of Antoine uh, Brown from Garfield. He's a 2021 kid tweener though. That's the problem with him. He's, he's, he's probably not athletic enough to play defensive end in college, but he's not big enough at least yet to play defensive tackle in college. So a lot's going to depend on how much weight and size he can put on. He's about 6'3", 265, I think is what he told me. And uh, I thought he had a pretty good day on the defensive line. Uh, but, uh, you know, he you're, he's going to be a guy you're just going to have to continue to watch and, and what he does. He's a big-time rugby player. Plays with Owen Prentice, another 2021 kid, O'Day offensive lineman that was down there. And uh, those guys are pretty good friends. And I think if Washington offers Owen Prentice and Antoine Brown. I think both of those guys end up at the University of Washington. And uh, I, you know, but we're a ways away from stuff like that happening. Coaches and uh, camps coming up in June. I think there's a dirt dog camp and another camp uh, sometime in June. What's going on in June for recruiting, Scott? Yeah, so June 9th, I believe, is the uh, seven on seven tournament. And we'll be up at that just kind of watching guys. And the coaches will all be out watching, watching the kids who do show up. I think there's uh, 24. Uh, teams filled up. I'm not 100% sure on that they're completely filled up because I know there were a couple teams who usually go that aren't going this year. So we'll have to see. They usually have anywhere from 20 to 24 teams. Um, they play around robin and then they do a single elimination uh, 
uh, tournament after that. Um, and then that's on the 9th. And then on the 22nd is the Dirt Dog, the Rising Stars, and the Kicking Camp. And that's also the same day that they're having a huge barbecue with recruits. And that's when you could see a lot of movement. I still think Washington will end up with 10 commits by the end of June. That's what, I, that's what I'm predicting at this point. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's a, a low number even. I could, I could see even more than that. So um, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. Um, I know a lot of people are really concerned that Washington hasn't gotten a commit. I think Mark uh, Redman was the last guy, or Matt Redman, uh, Mark, <laughs> shoot, I'm totally blowing the name here, uh, the commit from uh, the tight end commit, uh, Mark Redman from uh, Corona Del Mar. Uh, he's the last guy to commit to the University of Washington. That was on the 6th of April, so we're talking a little over a month. And uh, it had been a month since Ethan Garbers had committed, and that was only the second guy to commit. So it's been pretty slow, a pretty slow couple of months here, and people are getting a little worried, but I, I'm just telling you guys, just be patient. Things are going to pick up, and they're going to be like a f- trying to drink out of a fire hose no, here in the next couple of weeks. It's going to be the same thing as last year. It's slow, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's four or five commits in a week, you know, and yep. it doesn't matter when they come as long as you're And the then the concern will be, are we taking commits from the right guys? Oh, yeah. You know, it, that's just, it's how it works. Every year, people are worried about, we don't have enough commits, and then when they get a bunch of commits are we going to have room for the guys that we really want? So, and then the final week of recruiting, I wish we hadn't got commits so early because yeah, I wish, (laughs) yeah, this is boring. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. All right. Uh, anything else we need to cover Scott at this point in time? No, you know, I I think people, I, I understand some of the concerns. I understand that there's some of their top guys are off the board, but there's still some very, very, very good players that Washington has a very, very good shot at landing and i think you're going to see things start to pick up here over the next couple weeks and over the next six weeks six seven weeks before we get to the end of june and the coaches kind of take the month of july off before they get started with august man i can you believe kim it's only i I don't know how many days exactly but it's something like 60 i don't know what 75 days until the start of fall camp something like that i mean it's it's coming up right on us and it's it's almost here yeah I mean, right now this is where all the work is being done the next you know for the next six weeks i would say gathering the information reviewing the film checking out you know it's just like you know hiring a job candidate you know verifying references and things like that this is where all the work's being done this is when the offers are extended and this was when the meat of the work for recruiting is being done they identify the guys who they want and they really start narrowing things down so mm-hmm. um should be an interesting month you know especially you know between now now and uh, middle of June, I think the next four weeks, you know, there'll be some stuff happening. Not too worried about it. Like I said, we've only been doing this since 1997. It's not like we're new to this rodeo. Seen it before. Now, mm-hmm. if Tyrone was the head coach, you're just always worried no matter what. But anyways, yeah. Washington's a good hands with Coach Pete. Um, just a reminder, if you want those daily updates in your inbox or breaking news alerts send us a note huskystadium at gmail.com subject line newsletter we'll get those out to you for all of us at dogman.com i'm kim grenolds along with scott eklund go dogs